Welcome to room 4216. I'm so glad you've come. Reading the Bible can be difficult. Not to mention understanding it. Mm -hmm. Having a disability such as blindness or another can be difficult too. Sometimes it feels like God's not even there. But in room 4216... God shows us his path and we find we are not alone. can't believe it. I'm here in room 4216 before her. <laughs> it's a good day. <sighs> what shall I do while I wait? <gasps> twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Up above the world so bright, like a diamond in the sky. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. You came! I did! You joined me! Oh. Not only in the room, but in song! <laughs> yeah! I last that song. Yeah, last week we uh, uh, kind of titled that one that, at least in, in some of the uh, intro uh, material. Mm -hmm. And one of our readers sent back a wonderful email. I'm just going to kind of capsulize it. Mm -hmm. um, he Which said, reader? Which reader? Oh, well, I'm sorry, Robert from Florida. Oh, so this would be a. Uh from the inbox segment? Yes, it is from the inbox. Oh, good. Robert said, Did you know about the largest structure known by man? They found it by the Hubble telescope. It's, um, it's a wall of stars so thick and high that it's hard to describe, he writes. It's 150 million light years across and a uh, hundred and... 130 million light years, top to bottom. Now, we're not talking miles. We're talking light years. That's right. So that if you, and he even goes on to say that, if, if you would travel uh, from top to bottom, it would take 130 million years traveling at wow. the speed of light. It's huge. How many stars does it contain? There's no way even to estimate it. And... It notes that in the middle of this, in the, uh, it contains a large, very black hole. That's one of those things that they say even sucks in light. Yeah, right? it's a, like a bottomless pit. Wow. And then Robert ends this by saying, where is our, he our heavenly father? But he sits on the throne with Jesus at his right side. And he made the heavens and the earth. Robert's point is, as fast as this structure is of twinkling little stars, God made it. He's bigger, more vast. I like that because it also points out how many of those dots are, are lights. And, and that's what we concluded with uh, in our reading last week in Philippians, or the last time we were studying Philippians, was that um, we should shine like stars. And then Paul gave the example of Timothy and Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. Thank you! <sighs> of, of examples of shining stars, not that they are to be lifted up higher, but it sometimes is easier to live 
by an image, thinking of somebody rather than just the postulate of this and that and everything. So that's where we ended up last week. Today, do you got your book out? Right here. You do. Good. We're starting chapter three. And uh, let's just start reading with verse one. All right. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, we who glory in Christ Jesus, and we who put no confidence in the flesh. Hmm. I love that. We, 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 we. Mm-hmm. Just a note, if anyone is following actually in the print text, the first two we's are in the text. The second two, the word who is there, but it is, it's a relative clause that goes back to the we, the statement of, of the beginning of the sentence. So adding that we is, is very proper. And it brings that great emphasis. We are the ones. The parallels, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the oral uh, transmission again, like we talk about. It, it, it emphasizes uh, the, the conversation mm-hmm. uh, through the oral conversation. Yeah. Let's go back and do it again. Okay. Finally, my brothers. Finally? Yeah, I noticed that. This now, is... now, Pastor Dave, uh... Uh, you always tell me, Cecilia, don't ramble. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got to point out, Paul's rambling. Well, he's going to ramble. Well, he's going to. He's going to. We just is... started three. We got to finish chapter three and chapter four. We're mm-hmm. only halfway through the book of Philippians. Yeah. So yeah. he's... Mm-hmm. But we're going to find out why he rambles, and he rambles for an extremely good point. We're going to get to that just a little bit later. I guess one might question, do you ramble for a good reason? I always ramble for good reasons. Okay, then. (laughs) Finally, my brothers, and he does this word again. And again. And again. And again. And the word is? Rejoice. Yeah. I think if there were a theme to Philippians, it could be argued that it is the word rejoice. Rejoice. And the, and the root word of rejoice is joy. Mm-hmm. I do remember a Bible study once years ago that uh, uh, Philippians is the book of joy. And it uses that, that base word of joy. We have joy. That's why we rejoice because of Jesus. Yeah. And that's, by the way, why Paul in a second is going to ramble. <laughs> But we're not quite there. Uh, okay, rejoice, and what did it say there? Rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. Uh, he did. He wrote about you should rejoice with me uh, back in chapter two and chapter one mm-hmm. several times, and it's going to be in chapter four. He really does write and rewrite and rewrite. It's it's kind of like what was that phrase is the mother of learning, um, oh. repetition. Ah, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is a safeguard for you. Wow. What does that mean? A safeguard, safeguard? for you. I know what a safeguard is. It's a. What's a safeguard? It's a 
something like like I think of a rail around a porch or something keeps us from falling off. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's an excellent description of it. Something that keeps you from having danger or, or disaster. And that's what his repeating these words again and again and again are a safeguard. Keeping us from danger of having disaster. And now he's going to come right to the very words of disaster and why he goes off in a ballistic way of rambling for two more chapters. So the safeguard, though, just to to Mm -hmm. clarify, telling them to rejoice again and again is almost like a protection from this which is coming up. Indeed. Not just the word rejoice, but what was it? Rejoice in the Lord. In the Lord. Not not rejoice that you're wealthy. Not rejoice that you're poor. Not rejoice that you're he- uh, uh, wealthy or healthy or, or, or that you're sick or miserable. Rejoice in the Lord. That's different than any earthly circumstances. It's beyond earth circumstances. It's the Lord. So, here we get to the... Uh the watch out part. Uh-huh. Watch out for those dogs. <laughs> uh, oh. Now, wait a minute. Yeah. We've got some people out there that may have guide dogs, and, and they might not be too happy. <laughs> well, you and Kate, people don't know this, but there's there's uh, two dogs sleeping at Cecilia and Mai's <laughs> feet right now in the study. Sometimes you can hear Nelson snoring. <laughs> I don't know if the yes. microphones pick it up. And once in a while, the jingle of the things. We've got dogs here, too. The thing, though, is why Paul uses dogs. Back then, it was not a good term at all. We think of dogs as a friend and a companion. They saw them as a nuisance, a bother. Um, Dogs were scavengers. They were, yeah. You might say if you were a farmer out in the countryside, uh, watch out for those bobcats, those uh, uh, um, uh, mountain lions, those... uh, uh, raccoons, those... Uh, yeah, in, in Africa, you might say, watch out for those hyenas. Yes, exactly. It's something bad that's going to grab and tear and... And probably give you some bad disease, if nothing more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that's why he uses this word, because of all those nuances of the bad aspects of a wild dog. And he even gives some descriptions of who this wild dog is. I think there's three of them. Mm-hmm. Those men who do evil. And he's going to quantify what this evil is. It isn't just uh, stealing at night or stabbing someone in the back. No, it's worse. um, It's interesting that you say that. Because some people would say, hey, if I'm robbed or mugged or or whatever, that's bad. Well, this is worse. You might not think of it, but it is. Go on. Those mutilators of the flesh. Oh, no. tattoos at, aren't good. No, yeah. Uh, at first, I thought, what are they? Are they running around with knives and 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 go stabbing on. people? What's the no. next one? Uh, Pastor Dave, I, I hate to break it to you, but and I know you're on a roll, but uh-huh. there is no next one. Oh, um, hmm. well, um, what wh- what are the next words? It is we who are the circumcision. Ah. 
that's it. Okay, I guess I was too much on a roll. That that is the the, the next thought, and that's what he's talking about. These uh, he's uh, the circumcision. There were Christians back then that Paul was struggling with. They were Christians, but they they grew up in the Jewish faith, and they brought in this idea: you have to be circumcised. You have to follow all the laws of the Old Testament. You have to obey the Judaic law, uh, and otherwise. You will not be saved and you will be damned to hell. I don't like the sound of that. (laughs) It is rather ominous, isn't it? Uh. But uh, can you tell us more about the what and why of circumcision for the people of God in the Old Testament? very appropriate question as it relates here uh, to the book of Philippians with the Judaizers. And and it, it, it is not just here, but several other places. And it does find its roots way back in the Old Testament. First, circumcision itself. On the male's penis, uh, there is an extra flap of skin. It's called the foreskin. And a knife is taken to cut that back so that it isn't there as an extra flap. Um, Today we know this as a health advantage because uh, if that is left, it can uh, have extra urine not come out and then that can become infected. God did this in the Old Testament, not just for a health reason, but also to help the people be marked and identified as his people. That was the beginning, way back with Abraham. Okay, okay. Two questions come to mind immediately. Mm -hmm. First, that was the males. Mm -hmm. What about the females? How are they marked as the people of God? And second... If they were all wearing clothing, mm-hmm. uh, how would you know that these were the people of God? Good questions. First, the culture back then did not have women nearly as independent as they are today. They were usually always connected with a husband. By the way, men were usually connected with women. Uh, women shouldn't get so upset about being independent. Back then, it was an agricultural society, and men and women needed to work together to do the farm. It was very much a, 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 a marriage system. And so the, the woman would be connected through her husband, or if younger and still under age 18 or marriage time, they'd be connected with that family. So... And this, by the way, flows into your second question uh, about you don't view this mark because, good grief, uh, you wear clothes. And that is actually the, the key thing of this, is that the mark isn't just circumcision, but then it's the laws and the decrees given by God, clearly the Ten Commandments and being kind and compassionate to people so that they would be godly people. The mark became then, uh, circumcision became just one aspect to highlight all of the other things, which was then their way of life. And this women 
could and did have as their mark. And it stood them out as a distinct people because they were honorable with, with, with integrity. So, as far as women were concerned, they were connected to their husband or father and were basically under their protection or circumcision. Um, yes. In the same way, we are under the protection of Jesus. We can't stand against the devil. We can't stand against death. We can't stand against sin. But when we are under his protection, the blood of Christ, under that faith, then yes, we are protected as well. And just just one last question, mm-hmm. for the moment at least. Is circumcision still done today? Uh, generally speaking, yes, because our society sees the, the health value of this. And it's done both for not just Jews anymore, but Gentiles and everybody. There are exceptions, and, and some families choose not to. But generally speaking, it's seen as a medical benefit and blessing uh, to help the health of a man. I got it. Mm-hmm. So the Judaizers, the Christians who became Jews, mm-hmm. who were wanting to say you have to be circumcised and fulfill all these laws, were trying to bring the baggage of the Old Testament, all those laws, to and force the new Christians to obey and be bound by those things. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Believe in Jesus. He's the Messiah. Yeah. But now you have to keep on doing all these things. Then what good did Jesus' death do? And this all wraps together. All of those Old Testament things, all those laws that they worked at keeping, they thought it was to, if they were good enough, they'd get to heaven. But really, all these things pointed to the Savior who would come, who would keep them perfectly. Jesus kept them perfectly. That's why he could be the perfect Perfect sacrifice. sacrifice. And now that the perfect sacrifice has been given, we are forgiven. And when we trust in him, we come under his covering. And now what we do in our life isn't to get to heaven, but to say thank you. And so what we do in our life doesn't have to be regulated so tight by obligation, but rather of what will help our neighbor. So we don't discard the Ten Commandments. It is a good thing to, to honor your father and mother or not kill or, or even hate. We do all those things, but we do that so that people may see Christ in us. Yes. And they'll ask, what's different about you? And again, this is the same thing. In the Old Testament, they kept all the regulations and rules, and that made them a different, unique people from all of the other cultures. Well, aren't you going to sacrifice this and that? Aren't you going to do that? And the people could say, no, we have a 
different God, a God who says that we are saved by what he does, by the promises of the sacrifices. That was different then. We get to say the same thing. No, we don't keep these commandments just to get there, but we we let our light shine so people can see that we have a God who loves us, who forgives us. There's a radio program that it I, plays uh, here on Saturday what mornings. What does this have to do with the Bible study? That it, I love listening to because uh, he talks about gardens. 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 What does this have to do with the Bible study? Just a second, you'll see. And and he, it, it, Mike loves to say that uh, gardening and taking care of your yard isn't a one-day thing; it's a marathon. And what does this have to do with the Bible study? Well, we have to close for today. And you were about to say, but Pastor Dave, we only got through a couple verses. How did and, you know that? And I'm going to say, well, it's not a one-day thing. It's a marathon. So join us in the next leg of a marathon when we bring you the Word of God, as it says. But don't forget to write to us. Yes, indeed. You can write to us. How can they write to us? Uh, on their computer? Uh, yeah, that would be a good idea. Or on their iPhone, maybe. You know? Ooh, I don't do that. Oh, I know you don't, but lots of us do. Mm. Uh, info, I-N-F-O. At not-alone.net. Don't forget Facebook, Dave Andrus, or Room 4216. Until we catch you on the marathon next time, remember, we, we are, are not, not alone. alone. I will lead the blind by the ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make their rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. Do come back again to room 4216. Credits, Terry Nord and Robert Vaughn, interlude musicians. I don't like the sound of that. Yeah, it is rather ominous. Not, uh, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Redo it. <laughs> I don't like the sound of that. Yeah, it is rather ominous. Here he goes again.